So let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you're using one of the uh, Bibles there provided for you, I believe it's on page 91 of section 2, which is called the New Testament. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Have you ever wondered what it would have been like to have been alive when Jesus was on the earth? To see him walking those long dusty roads or to see him teaching on a hillside by a lake somewhere or maybe to even have the opportunity to talk with him face to face. Wouldn't that have been an incredible thing to experience to be here when Jesus Christ himself were walking on the earth? But I want you to imagine today what it would have been like not during his lifetime But I want you to think about at the end of his lifetime, when he was getting ready to leave planet Earth, the day that he left. After his resurrection, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 1 that he spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them and equipping them and preparing them. And and maybe his disciples, through his teaching, maybe they understood, maybe they sensed that the day was coming that he was going to be leaving them. And he was going to be going back to, to, to heaven and leaving this earth. And the Bible tells us that just before that happened here, if you look at verse 4, and if you look down in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, the Bible tells us that He called them together to meet with them. And and I wonder on that day that He called them together, I wonder if they were thinking, I wonder if some of them thought, I wonder if today's the day, I wonder if this is going to be the time when He's going to leave us. Is this it? And, And probably if they did sense that, if they did have some idea about that, there probably were a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts going through their mind. I'm sure there were sadness. And Jesus, we don't want you to go. I'm sure there was some, some uh, fear, some ambivalence. Lord, what's it going to be like? A lot of questions. What are we supposed to do now? How are we supposed to spread this message? What are we supposed to do with the rest of our life without you here? But I wonder if there was also some excitement. Can you imagine if some of them woke up that morning and for whatever reason Jesus had kind of hinted at, maybe today was going to be the day or maybe they knew it was coming and so every day they were wondering, maybe they woke up, you know, just thinking, what if today's the day? What's going to be the last thing that Jesus says to us before he leaves this earth? I imagine if some of us were here, uh, were there on that day, probably some of you would have had a pencil and a piece of paper, wouldn't you? I know some of you, all your note takers, you would have said, look, if Jesus is leaving, I'm going to get it down on paper, right? I want to know so I don't forget later what he said. Some of you would have had a video camera because that's just how you're literally wired, amen? You would have said, I want to get it out. We're going to have a DVD of the last words of Jesus and we're going to give it out to everybody. I want to make sure that it's recorded. Some of us would have been pulling up right at the last minute, just glad we remembered that he was leaving that day, right? (laughs) And any testimonies, especially families with small children. What would you give to know what Jesus' last words, if we didn't know what his last words were here on this earth, what would you give to know what he said? Wouldn't you wonder about that? Wouldn't you dig for that? Wouldn't you research and try to find out what did Jesus have to say right before he left. Well, I'm so glad that somebody wrote it down. And we have it recorded here in God's Word in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I believe these last recorded words of Jesus on this earth are critical for us to understand not only what his plan was, the big picture, but what God's plan and purpose is for our life since he's left us here and hasn't taken us back to heaven, at least yet. Amen. 
Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, 8 says, well, now you go back and it says that Jesus, he gathered them together. He told them the Holy Spirit was coming. They were wondering, as the disciples always are just a little bit off, off pace here a little bit with Jesus, they're wondering about some other things. And Jesus says, it's not for you to be concerned about other things. What I want you to be concerned about in verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is the part we're going to focus on today. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. The Bible tells us here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, first of all, that Jesus expects us to be his witnesses. I mean, that's pretty straight here, isn't it? Jesus said, let's read again. Here he is, his last words, and we're going to find out in verse 9, if you look ahead, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So he's gone now. These are the last words. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, some of us here this morning have not had very much experience in church. And sometimes that causes us to have some some perceptions or some ideas about God and His work that maybe God would want to help us to develop this morning. Some of us have been in church since before we were born. Our mom was carrying us in the womb to church. And because of those experiences, maybe there's some ideas and perceptions that we formed. And I believe that today God would want to speak to both of us to teach us or to remind us what is the purposes that He has for us. What are the primary purposes that He has? Actually, if you want to write down 2 Corinthians 5.18, 2 Corinthians 5.18 really kind of gives us in a nutshell God's two purposes. He says, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible teaches that God's first priority for your life and for my life is that we be reconciled to God, that we have a personal relationship with God, that we receive Jesus as our personal Savior, that He comes into my life, washes my sins away, gives me life that lasts forever. But after that happens, the Bible says, God's second priority for your life is that He has entrusted me and He has entrusted you As ministers, now we've talked about that before. It's on the front of your worship guide there. We've got a pastor, we've got an associate pastor in our church, but at the bottom it says what? All of us are ministers. He has entrusted to all of us a ministry and lots of different kinds of ministry, but you could call all of our ministries under one heading. We have the ministry of reconciliation. And that's just a synopsis. That's just a brief way of saying that God has entrusted to each one of us that He wants us to share with other people that they too can be reconciled with God. That every person that you know, that God wants you to have the opportunity to to relate to them in some way that they can have that relationship with God like you do. Now for some of us, we come to church We give a little time to the Lord. We give a little money to the Lord. We listen to Christian radio throughout our week. And we try our best to to let Jesus make a difference in our life. If I were to ask you about your Christian walk, many of you would describe it that way. I come to church. I try to give. I try to serve. I try to let God show up in my life during the week so other people can see Him through me. But did you know that that kind of approach uh, to being a witness for God is a lot more optional than what Jesus says? He doesn't say, hey, just try to sort of kind of let me maybe somehow sort of shine through and somebody just sort of catch it in a roundabout way. (laughs) That's not what he says. He says, you shall be my witnesses. That's pretty clear, isn't it? 
Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you here. Well, thanks a lot, God. I'm leaving you with the keys to the house. You know, you're in charge. And I'll come be with you, and I'll help you by my spirit, but you are the ones that I'm trusting or entrusting with the opportunity, the responsibility to spread the good news. Now, listen to this. If it doesn't happen through you, then it's not going to happen. You are my witnesses. I have no other plan for getting this message out. Now let that sink in. Jesus says, there's no plan B. (laughs) He left it with me and with you. He started it. He always leads by example, doesn't he? He started it. He sacrificed more than anyone. He made the biggest missionary trip ever. You talk about missionary trip. You talk about countercultural. How about going from heaven to earth? Amen? I'm wanting to go the other way. He came from perfect to messed up. I'm wanting to go from messed up to perfect. He was the greatest missionary. He started it. But he said, listen, I'm, in, I'm leaving it with you. What is a witness? A witness is somebody who has seen something and tells others what they have seen. Incidentally, you may not realize this, but so many early Christians died being a witness for the Lord, that the Greek word that they use for witness, which we get our word martyr from, they, they turn that word martyr, instead of meaning witness, it came to be known as those who have died for their faith. But actually, the word didn't originally mean that. It just meant a witness. But so many witnesses died, we've taken the term to mean somebody who has died for their faith. Tells you how much those early Christians poured out their lives for God too, doesn't it? Some of us need to experience a paradigm shift today. We want God to be in our life. We're pretty much trying to let Him uh, live, it through, live His life through us. But, but in, to a great degree, it's still under our direction and not God's direction. Do you know how I know that? Because if I am not sharing my faith, then I am not living my life God's way. Did you hear that? If I am not sharing Jesus Christ with other people, then I am not fulfilling God's purpose. In fact, not just a purpose, but the primary purpose that He has left me for on planet Earth. I want you to think about it this morning. Most of what we do for God in this lifetime could be accomplished in heaven. We could sing these worship songs. We could learn about God. We could enjoy being together. But you know what we can never do when we get to heaven? We can never, ever lead somebody to Jesus Christ again. The opportunities will be over. You know what? Sometimes you wonder, why has God left me here? I just want to go to heaven. When He saved me, why didn't He just take me straight to heaven? Here is your answer, friend. He left you here because people need the Lord. And God has decided, for whatever reason, we'll we'll learn His wisdom one day. We'll see the reasons behind this, I'm sure. He'll explain it to us. I don't understand all the reasons, but He's entrusted that to us. So if when I'm saved, if I go straight to earth, I mean, if I go straight to heaven, there's not going to be many people left to tell the story, are there? The primary reason that I'm still alive is because there are people who still need a Savior. Are you a witness for God's message of good news? Again, many people say, I try to show it by my life, and certainly our actions speak louder than our words, so there's some truth to that. In fact, someone once said, witness, and if necessary, use words. (laughs) What they were saying is, our life is a lot more powerful many times than our words. There's no doubt that the way we live is a testimony for God or not. But as true as that is, if you saw a court case and these people were introduced as witnesses, and the witness got on the stand and said, I'd rather not really say much. I'd just rather you watch my life and get the gist of my story. What would you say? Do what? You're a witness. You said you had a story. You had a report to give. 
Where's the report? We can't just get that from watching your life. We need for you to speak. We need you to share your story. Many of us are different points in our spiritual life. But I want to ask you a question. Do you personally have a story? Do you personally have a testimony? Are you a witness for God? Do you have something to share that God has changed your life? That He has come into your heart, washed your sins away, established a relationship with you, that He's growing you, that He's changing you, that you know without a doubt that you're going to heaven one day because He lives in your heart. And if you do have a story, are you sharing that with other people? Do you know, I believe that many Christians and maybe many people here this morning would say, I don't feel fulfilled in my, in my life. I don't feel like uh, that, that something's missing in my life. Well, doesn't it seem that if the primary purpose that we were left here on earth were not being accomplished through our life, it might seem like something was missing? <laughs> if the main reason that God left us here is not happening through our life, then we're going to say, hmm, seems like something's just not right. We saw in 2 Corinthians 5.18, what does God want for your life? Primarily, He wants you to come to know Him And then when you do, he wants you to share him with other people. Let's look at two other things in these verses. And they're primarily going to deal with that, but they're going to identify really where we're going to be those witnesses. God has called us to be his witnesses, to tell his story, to testify, to share with others what he has done for us, what he wants to do for them. But number two, we are to be his witnesses, he says, close to home. He says in Acts 1.8, he says, You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Now, typically, when Christians read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, or sometimes people will call themselves, they'll say, hey, I want to be an Acts 1-8 Christian. What they're saying typically is, I want to fulfill God's purpose for my life. I want to share Christ with as many people as I possibly can. But they're typically talking about the big picture. We focus on that, the last part there, it says, even to the remotest parts of the earth or the ends of the earth. But there's two interesting things that I want you to notice here. The disciples, when Jesus... Now, again, let's just keep this pure, okay? Sometimes we take Bible, uh, we take the Bible truth and sometimes we, we kind of keep it up in the clouds. But let's just imagine ourselves on the day that Jesus left. Here's these disciples. Where have they been walking around? They've been walking around pretty much that area, haven't they? They haven't been getting on boats and going all over the world, okay? They haven't seen great missionary movements throughout history, Okay, they've just been in that kind of, just that area. And so when Jesus says this, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth, I imagine that that remotest parts of the earth thing kind of seemed to them like, huh, that was interesting. But they probably didn't get that they were going to be getting on a boat one day and going across the earth. And you know, it's interesting that Jesus' initial emphasis, even though it would end up in a world vision, really focused primarily at least initially, on a pretty small area geographically. Can't you almost picture him standing there, putting his arms up in the air and saying, Guys, friends, family members, you are going to be my witnesses. And you're going to be my witnesses, first of all, in Jerusalem, which is where they they were, right here, right where we're at. And then I want you to go in some outlying areas in Judea and Samaria. Now, Judea, if you look on a map, was the region that Jerusalem was found in. It was roughly equivalent to our county, okay? We're in Queensbury right now, but that is in the region or the territory of, or the area, the county of Warren County. Samaria was the next region, or if you will, the next county over. 
Many times when Christians read these words that Jesus stated, they take Judea to mean our state, and they take uh, Samaria to be referring to our country. Now, I think that's probably appropriate, an appropriate way to apply what Jesus is saying, because for them, Judea would have been about about, uh, 20 miles or about one day's journey for the average person. It takes us about a day to get across our state, right? Uh, Samaria would have been about two to three days journey, about 40 to 60 or so miles to get across there. It takes us roughly two to three days to get pretty well across our country in, in different directions. But I want you to also be aware of something else. And you know what? I've never noticed this until this week when I was studying this passage. Really, the farthest point that Jesus was referring to when he said Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, did you hear what I said? was 20, 40, at the farthest, about 50 or 60 miles away from where they were standing. Have you ever noticed that? And both of those regions, Judea and Samaria, had many towns and villages. Jesus said, you're going to cover right here where we are. Don't forget, cover right here. And then I want you to spread out a little farther, about 20 miles out. And then I want to make sure that you go out even a little bit farther than that, about 40, 50 miles out. You know, it's not hard to imagine what if Jesus had started his work from right here instead of Jerusalem. Can you imagine what he would have said? Okay, guys, now I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine Jesus Christ himself walking in the back door after we got over being freaked out, (laughs) after we got off our faces because we'd be on the ground worshiping him. Okay, but after he said, guys, listen. At ease, right? The commanding general said, at ease. Okay, now listen. I've got your assignment. I've got your marching orders. What would he have said? I want you to start where? In Queensbury. I want you to start in Queensbury, England's Falls. And I want you to go where? I want you to go all over Warren County. And all over Washington County. And all over Saratoga County. I want you to go into the cities and the towns and the villages like Hudson Falls, like Fort Edward, like Southlands Falls, like Corinth, like Lake George, like Lake Luzerne and Warrensburg. Don't you think that's what he would have said? That's the example that he gives in his word here. Now, if we do take Judea to be representative of about a day's travel for them and Samaria to be a couple to three days, then we can begin to even apply what God's saying to our state and our country and even our continent of North America. That's about how far we could travel in one to three days. Jesus would say to us, you're going to also now, now listen, I want you to start right here. I want you to spread out in this region, but you're also going to need to cover all of eastern New York. And you're really going to need to kind of start going west and spread across this state. And I want you to go down into the southern part of the country and over into the Midwest. And even eventually we're going to need to stretch out to the west coast. And oh, by the way, you're only a couple hours from Canada. We're going to need to kind of begin thinking about moving up in that direction pretty soon. Have you ever noticed that Jesus' first emphasis to them was on the area that was closest to them? That especially becomes real to us when you realize that the United States is the third largest unreached country in the world. Our country needs Jesus. Many people right under where we live, right close to home, need to know there's a Savior who's come for them and He wants to wash their sins away. He wants to be their God, their Savior, their friend. He even called them, though, to go to some areas that they preferred not to go. Is there anywhere in our country, is there anywhere in our town, is there anywhere in this county that you'd say, I'll sign up for that one, but I don't think I want to go over there. I just don't go in that direction. Well, that's what Samaria was like for them. 
Samaria, the Samaritans were Jewish people who had intermarried with other nations. And as a result of that, many of the Jewish people in other areas really were kind of prejudiced against them, and the Samaritans were prejudiced against the Jewish people. Samaria would have been what we would consider across the railroad tracks. You ever heard that term before? You just don't go in that direction. Well, Jesus said, there might be some areas that are different than you that talk different, that look different, that act different, that have different lifestyles. You may not be comfortable there, but I want you to go to those areas too. So let's ask ourselves a question. How is New Hope doing? How is this church? If God gave us this assignment right here under our nose, how are we doing at spreading the good news across Queensbury and Glens Falls? Are we as a church effectively making sure that our primary assignment, the people right under where we live, closest to home, know that there is a Savior? Are you, as an individual follower of Jesus Christ, that God has planted in workplaces, in schools, in neighborhoods, are you being used by God to take care of this local assignment? And then how are we doing at being God's witness in surrounding areas? We can't just think about our area, can we? We thank God that God has used us to start a church in this important part of Warren County. And did you know, you may or may not know this, we've helped to start two other churches in Saratoga County, one in Clifton Park that is doing very well and one that is just getting started in Southlands Falls. Praise God, amen? We are seeing the vision that God has. We're seeing that begin to happen. But did you know, we have an attendance of about 300 people in a county of 60,000 Did you know our church plants have even less attendance than us and the county that they are in has a population of over 200,000? Many people would say, wow, God's really blessed New Hope. Look at what God's doing here. And I would say, amen, praise the Lord. But you know what? We really don't have time to celebrate yet, do we? I mean, one day we're going to be in heaven. One day we're going to say, let's tell the stories. Let's talk about what God's done. But there's nothing to, to stop and look at right now, is there? There's a long ways to go in order to say we have done our assignment. Yes, God is using us as a whole, we might say. And we need to grow in that as a church family. But let me ask you, are you taking it upon yourself as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you know Christ is your Savior, to help God's message grow in this area? Are you sharing with your neighbors, with your family, with your co-workers and friends? When I was in Kenya, and I want you to listen to this, when I went on a mission trip to Kenya as a representative of our church, I found a man there named John Shepherd. John Shepard had been a pastor in the United States for 35 years. He decided to retire. You know how he decided to retire? He prayed and asked God what God would have him to do with the rest of his life. You know what God spoke to him about? I want you to go to Kenya, and I'm going to give you the assignment of making sure that the Maasai people come to know me as their Savior. John Shepard has said, look, I'm going to look for partners. I'm going to look for teams to come in and help me, but I am personally taking it upon myself that it is my responsibility with God's help that all of the Maasai of Kenya are going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Isn't that awesome? I'll take it. You go somewhere else. (laughs) You reach somebody. You can come help me sometimes, but my primary assignment, this is my post. Let me ask you a question. Is that how you feel about our area? God, this is our responsibility. We are your servants. You have posted us here and giving us a church family to, to do your work out of, God, it must be my assignment to cover the people in my own backyard, to make sure that every person that I possibly can help 
find the message of Christ, finds that hope in my area. Well, speaking of Kenya, it points us to the last thing he says in this verse. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem right here, in all Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas. And then he says, and even to the uttermost or the remotest, or it's actually literally to the ends of the earth. You know, as I hear Jesus say those words, as I hear those words, you can almost look forward across the centuries and see men and women and families loading up everything that they own or selling everything that they own and loading up their lives and going to a distant shore to share the good news about Christ, can't you? I mean, Jesus said it. He said, listen, we're going to go local here, but this thing is going worldwide. Isn't it incredible that 2,000 years ago, with primarily 12 disciples, 12 committed uh, people that he had trained, the very simple challenge that we are reading right now has changed world history, has changed eternal history. The message of Christ has gone worldwide. You say, how did Jesus do that? What kind of Tony Robbins uh, uh, motivational speech did he give? You know, what, what, what made that happen? You're reading it. You got it right here. We've got everything that they had. Let's see. There's about 12 just in a little section right here. Man, we ought to really be able to do something. If they could take 12 and turn the world upside down, we ought to be able to finish this assignment. Amen? With just the 8 o'clock service. Let the 6 o'clock on Saturday stay disobedient. Let the 1045 hang out and enjoy God's blessings on their life. But we're going to get to work. Amen? Oh, me or amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. And they did. And yet there is still so many who have not heard that message. Did you know today that there are many people who have never even heard the name Jesus Christ spoken? They don't even know that He ever existed or who He is or what He's done for them. Did you know there are many people today who still, right now, currently do not have access to the Word of God? What are we studying today? We are studying God's Word. How are we going to be changed and challenged in our lives, adjusted to be more like Christ today? It's because we're reading His Word, right? There are people today who do not have that. That's why there are so many wonderful groups like Wycliffe and the Mar people who came. Did you know the Mar people, what changed their history forever? Somebody bringing them a Bible. That's what changed their history. Many people today do not have a church in their own culture. Has there ever been a, a time in your life when you had a hard time finding a church? Has there been? So can you sort of relate to somebody who doesn't have a church, who can't find a place to learn about God, who doesn't really have a place to grow or that they trust or that they know God's Word is going to be spoken? Have you ever been in a place like that in your life, somewhere in even North America? Even as, as prevalent as the gospel is, sometimes that's the case here. But there are places in the world where there is absolutely zero opportunity for people to have a church family. You know what? It's great to have the Word of God, isn't it? It's great to have His Spirit living in our hearts. But remember, God's primary work happens through His people. And have you ever loved God, walked with Him, still stayed in touch with Him in His Word, still tried to share about Him, but not had a church family to connect with and to be encouraged and to grow in? Isn't that hard to do? Isn't it hard to be a Lone Ranger Christian? There are many cultures today that still do not have a church for them. 
Let's give a couple of examples of that. Let's first of all talk about West Africa. More than 350 of the 1,600 people groups in West Africa. Now, what I mean by people group is this. A people group is a, is a group of people that are distinctly set apart because they speak a different language or they have a distinct culture. They probably eat different things. They wear different things. They are identified as their own group of people. It's not necessarily just a different nationality. Within nations, there are even different people groups. We even see that today in our own country. Out of the... 1,600 people groups in West Africa, 350 don't even have the possibility of access to God's good news. Out of the 287 million people in those people groups, less than 2% know Jesus as their Savior. In one group of those people groups, almost 5 million people exist and only 100 of them are Christians. 5 million and only 100 are Christians. Consider also the nation of India. Remember the India Children's Choir we had just a little while ago? If you see the India Children's Choir, you'd almost think, man, India's covered. I mean, I mean India's doing great. In fact, I could learn some lessons from them, amen? Some of the things about the way they expressed their worship challenged our hearts. But did you know what we saw in those precious children was a huge minority? Only 2% of the 1 billion people in India know Jesus as their personal Savior. I want you to also consider this. This is staggering. It took until 1802 for the world to have 1 billion people. It took until 1928, 126 more years, to get to 2 billion. It took until 1961 to get to 3 billion. And since 1961, it's been about every 12 to 13 years that another billion has been added. 1974 went to 4 billion. 1987 went to 5 billion. 1999 to 6 billion. I believe it was last year that we went to 6.5 billion people on planet Earth. What's the point that we're making? Yes, some of us, maybe even many of us, need to cover this post, right? Queensbury, Glens Falls, this surrounding area needs the gospel. Needs a church. Needs people loving God, serving God, working for God, growing in the Lord right here where we live. But in order to reach a growing world population, some of us, God's going to walk down the aisle and He's going to put His finger on your head and He's going to say, as much as you like this, as much as you enjoy this town, as much as you love your church family and the ways that you're serving, you're done here. I'm moving you. You've learned enough. It's time for you to go serve. In fact, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, sometimes Christians get proud. They think, you know, I've heard I've heard this passage before. Many of you have heard Acts chapter. I've heard this passage before. I've heard about spiritual gifts. I've heard about salvation. Listen, if you ever get to that point in your life, you may be ready to leave and be a missionary. Now that'll help you with pride, wasn't it? (laughs) If you've got it all, what are we doing in your life anymore? Go share it with somebody else. Amen. Because so many people at the ends of the earth have never even heard. All of us should be praying and giving for that end. Most of us can from time to time on a temporary basis, on a short-term trip, go and help others in other areas, just like we're going to do in New Orleans in just a few weeks. We're going 
for just a few days to help the people in the churches of New Orleans, help the churches in New Orleans to reach out to their community, to point people back to those churches so God can do His work in that area. There is so much work to be done. They say, we just can't do it by ourselves. Guess what? I can go. And some of you can too. Some of you need to. But some of us need to move and plan our lives somewhere else. Just Are you paying attention? Are you noticing what God's doing? I hope we never take this for granted. The blessings that God has given this church family. Over the last couple of weeks, we have had the opportunity to connect with a man who I believe is strategic to God's work in that part of India. We had an opportunity to help somebody. I don't live in India. And, and as far as I know, the Lord doesn't want me to live in India. <laughs> and, and, but there is a servant over there who does live there, who God is called to be there, and I can help him. And we did, praise God. And there's probably more that we can and will do to help them. Did you know this week, if you miss Wednesday night, you missed a blessing. This week, Jeff Gordon, our missionary to Thailand, he was passing through and just happened to stop by on Wednesday night shared what God was doing in their hearts as they're preparing to go in Mexico and they're coming back to North Carolina in the fall to continue kind of preparing for their trip. And then next year in January, they're, they're planning on going to Thailand to share the good news. I believe God has a special servant in Jeff and Jessica Gordon, two of the most incredible believers I've ever known in my life. And I wanted to keep them here. But God said, I need them over there. They're choice servants of mine. I need them over in Thailand. We get to be a part of that. You may as well just get your passport. We're going. We're going to Thailand at some point to help Jeff and Jessica Gordon. I am not going to send them off into the ends of the earth and say, have a nice life. One missionary once said, I don't mind dangling on the, at the end of the rope as long as you hold the other end. Amen? <laughs> you going to hold the rope? Somebody's going to have to get on the other end and dangle. A short time ago, as I said, we were able to go to Kenya and see thousands of people come to Jesus or hundreds of people, but since that time, churches have been started and thousands have come to know the Lord since that very trip that our church was a part of. Every week, we're a part of 80 churches being started across eastern New York over the next 20 years. Every week, we're a part of 10,000 missionaries all over the world serving God on a daily basis. To be such a young church, praise God, amen? That's tremendous. The opportunities, the open doors that God has set before us are absolutely incredible. But are we getting fat and happy? Are we saying, look at us? Absolutely not. With 300 people being reached and 60,000 around us, there's no time to count victories, amen? We take half a second to say, praise God. But we take the next lifetime and say, where else do we go? Amen? There's work to be done. Jesus has left us to spread the good news. Is it possible that God could change the world from Queensbury, New York? Well, he did it from Jerusalem. Why not here? Amen? I mean, 12 disciples, and we've got 250, 300, maybe more that God's bringing to this church family. What could God do from this place if we took seriously his priority? And let's don't forget, let's don't just dance around it without ever getting to the point. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the greatest message ever given to mankind. God loves you, friend. He loves you so much He created you. He thought your life would be a good idea. He thought the way you look, the things that you do, the things that your opinions, your thoughts, your interests, the special, unique, your fingerprint, your eyes, the color of your eyes, every part of you He thought was important and needed to be a part of this world. And not only part of this world, 
He wants to be a part of his kingdom forever. He loves you that much. But he knew you couldn't get there, so he sent his son Jesus to pay the price. And it was no cheap price. It took the Son of God his life. He, he, he spilled his blood for you and me. He was publicly beaten and humiliated by the ones that he created and he came to save. But he was willing to do that because he loved you. And he looked down through the centuries and he saw that maybe some people were crucifying him that day, but some of those people were going to have their hearts melted as a result of that and give their life to him. But he also saw that in 2007, you would be sitting in Queensbury, New York, and the message had like a ripple spread across the pond, literally, amen, from Jerusalem all across the ocean, ended up in America in 2007, and here you are. So what are you going to do with it? He's done a lot of work to get this message to you, amen? What are you going to do with it? And friend, if you have received that gift, the same question applies. What are you going to do with it? I've received it personally, but am I so proud? Am I so selfish, so self-focused that I'd say, well, long as I have it, I'm all set. Or does it break your heart that there are many people who haven't been presented with that message? Or maybe they have, but they need somebody to water it. Or they need somebody to nurture it and grow it. Would you invest in the lives of others? Would you take the time across the fence to to go beyond just talking about the weather and just to say, hey, friend, do you go to church anywhere? I don't think I've ever asked you before. Do you go to church anywhere? love to invite you to come to my church. Maybe the next time you see them across the fence, hey, I know I asked you to church last time. Really, to be honest with you, church is not really my main deal. I, I just want to invite you to come. But the reason I want to invite you is because God did something great in my life a few years ago. And do you have just a minute for me to share that with you? I'd love to t- talk to you about that sometime. It's pretty easy if we'll just get over ourselves and be obedient. I want to tell you, God's doing a work in my heart. He's renewing that desire, that commitment to share my faith over the last few months like, like he hasn't in quite a few years. I thank God for that. Maybe you're a Christian and maybe you've kind of been just kind of settling in. Maybe you're pretty comfortable. Maybe you enjoy this church family. Maybe you enjoy the ministry that you're doing. Maybe you enjoy your life. Can I just tell you something? I'm glad you enjoy it, but that's not God's purpose for you. He did not leave you here just to enjoy life. He left you here to be his witness. It's not a matter of if or when. It's a matter of where. He either left you here or he's sending you somewhere else. If you don't want to go somewhere else, I'd start doing it here, amen? (laughs) Lord, I'll sure try to do it here if you leave me here. But you know what's going to be our blessing? Is to send many of us out over our history. We love you. We don't want to lose you. But some of us need to go somewhere else and share that message. Somebody's got to. If not me, who? If not now, when? He could come back today. Father, we thank you for your message. Thank you for the reminder. I pray that we would take it seriously. God, so many Christians today have heard your message so much. We've grown cold to your voice speaking. We've treated the special things of God as ordinary. And God, today... I pray that we realize that the message that we've heard, the words that have been spoken in your word today, have transformed history. How dare we take them lightly today? God, I don't know where everybody in this room is, but I know that there are some that need to receive you. I pray that today it will be my special privilege as your servant to share, to testify to them that this message is true. 
that your heart, that your spirit would open up their heart, that they would receive you as their Savior. That they would call out and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I want to turn from my sin and put my trust in you. Would you save me today? Lord, some have just received that, and it's so hard for them to even understand what you've done in their heart. They can't imagine sharing that with somebody else, but they have a story. And I pray that you'd help them to invite people to church or to Bible study or to opportunities to hear about you. And Lord, I pray for all of us that you'd bring us to the point that we would actively share our faith in Christ. If I don't as your disciple, how could I expect any other disciples to do that? So I pray for this church family, God. If we get nothing else right, I pray that we would get this right. This is the reason we're here. It's the purpose you've left us for. I'm convinced when you come back, your first desire will be, your first question will be to know, did you receive me? And the second one will be, did you share share me with others? Help us to be able to answer that question in a way that's pleasing to you. And if we can't, speak to us right now in Jesus' name. Amen.